Hey guys, this is Mark Owings, and I'm your host for the Unbridled Life Podcast, where we have real, raw, and unreligious conversation to encourage and challenge men and women in their daily lives. Well, thanks for joining us today. I've got two guests. One I've been married to for 30 years. Her name's Leslie. I call her Leslie. Leslie, you want to say hello? Hello. Is that all you got? <laughs> That's about all I have today. No, uh, just kidding. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for letting me join in. No, it's always good to have my wife with me. She has been the peace and the thing. I, I, I don't. I think I would have spun off the face of the planet if I wasn't tied to her. She is definitely the anchor. And the Bible talks about hope is the anchor of our, our soul. Well, she's been the anchor of my soul. That's the anchor God gave me. And we have a special Sorry. friend that is an intercessory for our ministry and what we do. And her name's Shauna Wortham. Hello. Hi. This is so fun. If y'all only could see her, it's like uh, Princess Di with her groove on. Uh, It's Princess Di and Beyonce. Stop. (laughs) Come on. And she dresses to the nine. She, she, when she walks, she dances. So I do. I want to be a disco ball for Jesus. Like that is who I want to be. Yeah. You are so, a disco ball, and she's married to an anchor named Yes, Brian, I am. And a good anchor, and they have yeah. such a, a crazy, cool story. You know, we talk about Bible verses, and I don't even want to give addresses, but it, yeah, it's Paul talking to Timothy, and he said, don't despise small beginnings. Yeah. And you kind of had what some might call small beginnings. Yeah. Crazy beginnings. Some would call them mistakes or missteps. But tell us a little bit about the family you grew up in, and then I want to ask questions about how you and Kyle started. Okay, that's good. Well, I mean, looking back, you know, I had a really, from my point of view, a picture-perfect childhood. And I was the oldest of three, and I was celebrated really well as a child. I fell in love with Jesus at a very young age, at eight years old, and it was at a revival. And Angel Martinez was the revivalist. He came to First Baptist Church, Brian, and I wanted to go every single night, and he wore a different colored suit. I mean, I remember so this thing. Oh, 100%. And you know what? I mean, the Lord, I still love fashion. There is nothing wrong. He'll use whatever, even if it was the revivalist lavender suit. No, but I was drawn in. And, I, you know, I just, I, I knew what I was doing. I've never questioned my salvation. I fell in love with Jesus. I, I Even the next day, I knew going to school the next day after I had received Christ the night before, what was I, a little third grader, fourth grader, and I was about to say something ugly about another kid, and the Holy Spirit said, you're different now. I mean, so I I know this love relationship I did start as a very young child. So that's the kind of flyover. There's a lot more. And you have a brother? A brother. Yeah. So I'm the oldest and then the middle is my sister, Stacy, who is insanely talented. She's an interior decorator. She's a hilarious, spicy, all the things. And then my youngest brother, Shane, who is five years younger than me, and he is insanely talented and he's an artist. And and I'll go into his story later, but I say those things is because I really have struggled with, Lord, where, what you, wh- why did I not get any talent? Like my brother and sister are ridiculously talented in their craft. 
And I've had to, I've had to battle that, you know, cause I feel like I just walk with this huge limp and, you know, no gifts or talents, which is such a lie, you know, from the enemy. But it's interesting too, as you're sitting there talking, Leslie, can you relate to that? Oh, for sure. And I know that like on the outside, everybody sees it. Right. Like, but when they see you, Oh, I love it. Please, let's cry. I know. I love it. I need, I need to cry. It's so good. Like there's an authenticity about you and there's a love and a joy that people can connect with you. Mm. Oh, there's a party happening. <laughs> and as you just, if you saw her, this is where I wish it was on video, but hey, this is the, the, the Genesis. Yeah. The Unbridled Live podcast. But it's so funny how the enemy does love because Stacey is crazy talented yeah and very well known in the town that she lives in for decorating mm-hmm. on that and then shane's got this amazing artist like he can draw anything paint anything he can do all that but none of them can do what you can do but it's a, it's crazy how the enemy works on us and begins to we start to see ourselves smaller than god sees us oh my gosh and the the reason i say that is because i want to set up and i'm going to be very raw and transparent in that i think how much the enemy twists things on us because i did i i shined as a child i really did and i it's just who i was and yet that got so twisted as i got older and so just kind of hitting the high high points of really great childhood. I felt very loved and celebrated. My parents separated when I graduated from high school, literally the next week they separated. And it, it just ripped the rug right out from under me and all that I knew. And I was going through a transition of, you know, about to start college. And that's a, that's a very hard time. I I think we forget for kids, you know, it's exciting. And we're like, yes, you're going to graduate. But the insecurity of that season of life. And anyway, so I went to A&M and I'd actually met. Thank you. You're so good at that. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I wasn't smart enough to get in, but I was smart enough to send her. Hey, listen, I just, I'm not sure how I got in, but thanks to uncle Bill delivering my (laughs) packet. But I met Kyle, actually, my senior year in high school and thought he was just super cute. And I was babysitting for his aunt and uncle and their Katie and Libby. I was their babysitter. And they were telling me, we've got this cousin. And they were telling him, we've got this babysitter. And so they were matchmaking us. But we met and we went out once. Actually, we, we did. We went out my senior year. And we went on a double date and I came home. He's a freshman, mm-hmm, okay. freshman at A&M okay. and I was a senior and I got home and I told my best friend, I'm going to marry him. I <laughs> That's did. That's pretty cool. And you know why? He felt like home and I didn't even know, I didn't even know what that meant, you know, but fast forward and we, we didn't, we didn't date. I mean, he was, you know, college way too full for a high school senior. But then I went to AM and we kind of reconnected and we started dating uh, at the end of my freshman year. And fast forward, and we're planning a wedding by the end of my sophomore year. <laughs> what, what kicked this wedding out? We were just so excited and so in love. And 
no, we, we found out we were, we were pregnant and uh, no, it's going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> While you're crying, let me set this up because I've been around enough now. You know, I've got several sweet friends that are ladies. You're one of them. Megan's another one that got pregnant when they were very young. And I learned very quickly because I was like, you know, what was it like to misstep? And they would they would look at me and say, I didn't misstep. Right. <laughs> and you said it in a really cool way. I was like, that. that's one of the hardest times. That can be an embarrassing time. That can be all kinds of different things. How would you say it? Because you said it to me before we aired. Tell me how you said it about speeding up something. It, it, looking back, it's like I, Callie was destined to be here. Kyle and I were, we were destined to be together. It was like I accelerated God's plan, and yet I didn't. Because where I am and what I'm walking through in this season of my life, I'm realizing that I needed all my kids to be out of the house. So, well, I still have one. Was chance, <laughs> chance. I haven't forgotten about you, but but I'm I'm just saying I'm not raising toddlers, and or even you know I've got my last one. I've got three children, and Chance is is you know 16, and he's very independent. And the Lord has me really sitting right now in a season of my life, and I'm telling you, it is a very tender season, and it is a hard season. And I'm looking back. Actually, what's funny is I'm looking back at a season of my childhood that I thought was one way. And it was actually very, very different. But the Lord's doing some heart surgery right now. But what I'm realizing is he's so sovereign. And we throw that verse around that he works all things for good. And we will not ever, we we can't wrap our brains around it until we really get to see him face to face. And he is going to continually blow our minds with what he meant by using everything for his glory and our good. And so what's crazy to me that so here you are high school, Kyle's in college, mm -hmm. this thing speeds up, y'all start dating and wow, it took a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love the way you're putting it is God knew like Callie was coming on that day right where it happened so how can it be a mistake how could it be out of order yeah but it is out of the order of what mom and dad think exactly what think. it's like what do we do here right these kids are going to get married and are they going to make it and so on top of this yeah because I know your family I've stayed in your house we go down to A&M games mm -hmm. we've done all that also in this mix of you getting pregnant, you kind of getting married, you've got another element in your family. And it's one thing, I, I wasn't an addict, mm -hmm. but I didn't grow up in an addict's home or I was I was the Shane in our family. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Shane because I love this brother. Yeah, and, he's amazing. Oh, he's incredible. Well, and he, I, I have to tell you, I was so self-absorbed in in that season where Kyle and I were getting married and, and Callie was little, Shane was probably, gosh, if I was 20, he's five years younger, so he was 15. So he really was, my my parents separated, he was 12 years old. And my mom has gone back and done all this, you know, she's a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to addiction and having a child of addiction. But a 12-year-old boy, specifically, I believe, white male, 
is that is the worst time for parents to separate. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. And and they're the hardest hit for whatever, you know, but so he just he started spiraling and we were all spiraling, you know, in our own ways, in our own direction. But really his addiction, we didn't even realize it until probably my kids, my Callie was probably about 10 years old and it had just spiraled way, way beyond, you know, anything. But the funny thing about Shane is that kid, when he was growing up, he, first of all, he was beautiful, beautiful. He still is beautiful. It's rude. It's actually rude. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I looked like him. Oh my my gosh. wife would be happy. I mean, I, yeah. But he just, you know how people say you have the X factor? Like some people, I don't know what it is, but just everybody's always been drawn to Shane. They love Shane. And he was a really tender, he was a sweet little brother. You know, he was a sweet little kid. Yeah. But in that season specifically, I was so self-absorbed. I don't, I mean, he could have been, who knows what he was doing. I was like, I got to, now I've got to figure out how to be married and, you know, I'm having this baby. I got to tell you, this is a funny story that the Lord's bringing back to my, mm -hmm. to my mind. You know, I really, when I fell in love with Jesus at eight, I'm telling you, I was head over heels <laughs> and I didn't have a lot of guidance in that. And I was so, I remember just like bouncing off the walls the night I got saved and had some moments that I remember of just these encounters with, with Jesus. But I went to college, y'all. I literally told the Lord, Lord, I'm going to come back to you one day, but I'm having so much fun oh. right now. I literally was like, I got to put you over here because I am going to the bar. I am going to drink. Party. I'm going to party. I'm going to have fun. And yet I, all I knew was... I just don't, it was intimacy. I didn't even know that at the time, but I was like, Lord, I don't even want you to see this. You know, I don't even want you to see this part. And the reason why I bring that up now is because the the day after we told our parents that we were pregnant, which that's such a, that's another story. Well, I'm just going to tell you what my father-in-law said, because they could have shamed us and they could have said you ruined our son's life and because you know Kyle was on a fast track at A&M he was in leadership in the core I was in a sorority I mean it was kind of a public scandal you know and I'm from a big small town Brian College Station everybody knows everybody and you know Kyle's family is very well known down there and so I felt like such the scarlet letter. What does his, what does her, his parents say to you? So the night that we sat at, he had told his parents, I told my parents, and then they all came yeah. together. Uh -huh. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. Ooh, I still just got a little pit in my stomach, just like all over again. And I, I, I wasn't even thinking wedding. I mean, I knew we were going to get married, but I was basically like, let's just go to the, justice of the peace you know let's just do this and pop i call him papa Come. kyle's dad said no ma'am you hold your head up and you have the wedding of your dreams <laughs> and it just did something in me like yes you know yeah and so i'm so glad that we allowed people to celebrate us because they did everybody really rallied around there were haters i mean there are always you know always are but 
anyway, I have that to look back on and just celebrate our wedding. And so it was really sweet. Yeah, it was a gift. It was a real gift. So it shows you the power of words. Yes. And both negative and positive. And I think about Pops, Kyle's dad, Mm -hmm. and at the right time, he could have said all kinds of things. Right. Because Kyle's, Kyle will come on this program. But Kyle, I call him Rain Man. I don't have to say Siri. I just say, Kyle, what is this? And he won't know all the information. Yes. Very That's successful brilliant. businessman in the construction industry, multi-million dollar business and a stud. But the dad that even shows me at the right time, uh, this word is going to matter. It can break or shake or it can shame. Yeah. It can cloak you. Yeah. And instead of he looked at you and corrects you and says, no, ma'am. So... I've got this picture in my mind, your head looking down, shame. Yes. His words become hands that lift your face up and say, no, ma'am. Yes. Yeah. A party we're going to celebrate because all things work for the good of those called according to his purpose and plan. So it's really cool. So I think you have one of the most unique stories because it's showing this crazy beginning yeah and then weaved in is we've got this little 12 year old at a time that he needs his dad he he, he's not there and mom and dad are doing the best they can it's not like they woke up and said hey let's pull the rug out right underneath our three kids they're struggling with their own stuff that goes on and now it's multiplying and shame so let's move this too because i i want to talk about addiction a little bit from a standpoint i know what it is to be addicted but i don't know what it is to be in a family mm-hmm. having to cope with the yeah. addicted one. Yeah. So that's, so fast forward and, and we're now living in Alito and Shane, it has become very apparent that Houston, we have a problem, yeah. but it's, I think back and I was like, we we're so naive. Oh my gosh. We had no idea because we hadn't dealt with any addiction in our family that we knew of either. He was the first one. And so it's wild to go back and even think think about that season of life because honestly, I mean, cocaine, like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I let it take me out physically. Like for, I remember when all this kind of hit the, I was on the, the couch for like a week. I didn't, I didn't know how to function. And so what's the first major story? We've got a problem in Houston that, like, do you have a memory like Shane goes missing for three days? Yeah, it was it was that. And I, I honestly would have to go back and talk to my mom. But there was there was like police involved and he went missing, but he wasn't really missing. And I, I, I honestly can't remember at this at this moment. But it, it there was someone there was a girl involved. And I think the biggest part was he was gone for a couple of days. If we had only known then, like we he throughout the next 15 years we'd we'd lose him for two weeks at a time I mean you oh, wow. when you live with an addict you bury them in your head a million times you, you just you just I can't explain because you you have to prepare yourself for the worst you know what I mean and it it really is your options are jail or a funeral like there's with with drug addiction there's not any other eventually that's what it's going to lead to if unless they okay you said something i saw leslie go ahead 
So tell me the emotions that are involved when you have a brother like that. Yeah. When you make a statement like, you have to bury them in your mind. I'm like, okay, I've never heard that. Say that. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you're preparing your heart that you're going to get a call that they've been found or they've overdosed. I mean, he used to carry a letter on him, you know, on himself, not a suicide letter, but just a note knowing that it could happen. Oh, at any moment. And so you just live in this tension of preparing yourself for the worst. And that is a, that takes a toll on your body. Oh, yes. On your, and I finally, at some point I realized I can't, I can't do this. Like I, this is my brother and I love him, but I've got a, I've got kids. My heart. Yeah. I've got kids and we have done the, the whole, I mean, in and out of drug, I mean, rehab, in and out of jail. He's lived with every family member. You do everything you know to do. And it's, it's funny because then every person that thinks that they're going to be the savior mm. you and you can feel the judgment like well if you really loved him you would let him you know okay you try you try it Do, you can't talk them out you can't I mean it's the wildest and it's the most it is the darkest drugs are horrible they are horrible and nobody wakes up and says, I want to be a meth addict. No doubt. They don't do that. I mean, it started with Shane. It was just, you know, he can tell you it was a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of marijuana. And, but through this journey, I realized every one of us, every one of us, finding the drug of choice at a time in your life where you're vulnerable, and there you go. Boom. You cannot judge people just because... You know, I look at homeless people very different now. I, I Everybody has a story of how they ended up, you know, where where they were. Well, you just said something. You know, we wrote in our book, The Original Sanctuary, you know, pick your poison. Yes. Pick your addiction. And so I think many times when people hear addiction, we do. We think pot, marijuana, you know, speed, meth, cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, all, you know, you, Molly's, whatever they yeah. they keep renaming these drugs, right. but it's the same thing, right? But what about the addiction of busyness? What about exact the addiction work. of self hatred? Exactly. Performance, religion, doing it right, being right, all the different things that we do, or self doubt all the time, yeah. insecurity, pride, fear, unbelief, trauma. All those things. So you point out something that I, I want our listeners to come away with because I want you to walk away. I want you to be inspired yeah. by the unbridled life, but I also want you to ask questions about yourself is what addiction are you dealing with right now? It might not be cocaine, but you said something about judgment. I bet you do have different eyes. When you see a homeless person, there's probably a humility and a compassion mm-hmm. that we haven't had the lens because we didn't walk through this. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to me because I can't wait. I want to have your mom on and I want to have Shane on. Yeah. I want the whole story in pie. In some areas, they're still not nice, neat bows put Oh, on. for sure. Yeah. I visited with your mom enough. She wrote a little book. I read it. You know, she came to some things. Everyone's trying their version of a rescue plan. Yeah. 
And, you know, you got the people, like you said, that are looking like, well, if you just do this, and then they try, it's like, how do you like humble pie? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> not as easy as what you thought. Yeah. And we, we've got to look at addiction is, I, I believe there is a cure for any and every addiction. I really do. Yeah. But Jesus has got to be the answer to that cure. Totally. And it's got to be in his time, his way, and his will. And, but the beauty of what Shane has brought to your family mm -hmm. is he gave all of you new lenses to see. And if you could go back, I, I've got a question on all of this. If you could go back and avoid this, skirt this, would you? Well, I have two answers. I would for him because it's been real painful for him. So to watch what he's had to go through, I would. But as you were talking, and this is what I want everyone to hear, not for me because I learned grace. And I, the biggest thing, I, I mean, I will, this is so, you know, those encounters with the Lord that, you know, you, you couldn't forget them ever. I'll never forget, you know, Shane learned that he actually had a gift of drawing in prison. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I love your intro of the, the, the podcast because we do live in this world. It's like, and I think there's good things of going after your dreams and there's steps Those and all this, cool. but it is, man, that's just not how it's been for me. It's been one step forward, 10 steps back, and, you know, the journey's been wild. But I'll never forget, when we started seeing his drawing, we were like, oh, my gosh. you're I mean, you're, like, really good. And at one point, and this was further down, and, you know, we'd been in and out of jail. It was actually, I thought, I thought this is it. I really thought he was going to probably take his own life because he, the desperation that I'd heard in his voice, he's, he was calling us and asking all of us for money. And I just felt different and we had to say no. And right after that, we had a family friend that he, he'd been in oil and gas and he wanted to, he's seen some of Shane's art and he wanted to invest in him. Wow. And I remember what he didn't know was we were like, we don't even know if Shane's alive right now. I mean, it was really, really bad. And so here we were like, he's got an opportunity of someone that wants to invest in him. And I was standing in my closet and I couldn't, I kept thinking, Lord, I don't understand why you keep giving him rescues and yeah. opportunities and lifelines. And the Holy Spirit said, it is scandalous grace. Mm -hmm. Now, let me tell you something. Where I was in the church at that time, you didn't use the word scandalous. I was about as Baptist pin up and I was trying my best and I was doing all the things and I looked right from the outside. But I myself had a drawer full of hydrocodone and, and, and you know, sleep pills and pills for a rainy day. Because I wasn't an addict like Shane, but let me tell you, I had more faith in those pill bottles than I did the promises of God. And that day, and I mean, the, when he, when the Lord said it's scandalous grace, I was like, wait, what? And he said it again, it is scandalous grace. And that is, so that shifted everything in me with grace grace will get into the messiest places with you jesus is not afraid 
to go into the ugliest, darkest, what you think is the grossest place, he is right there. He's right there. And so for that reason, I would not change any of this because I would not know grace. I would not know Jesus the way I do had it not been for this journey. There's a cost that comes along with that. But I love because it is two answers. You know, no one wants to see Shane in pain. Scandalous grace. <laughs> I think that's each and every one of us. Because I think those are two words that shouldn't be married together. At all. But God is throughout history, certainly throughout 66 books authored by different men and women, that is married together throughout each and every book. Yes. Just scandalous. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, stuff that, you know, if a man's not faithful with his own finances, how can he be faithful in the house of God? I've heard pastors say that. My only question back to me is, well, what do you do with King David? Right. I guess he would never be allowed to preach in today's churches because he was an adulteress, a murderer, and tried to cover it all up. Yeah. But God gives him the scandalous grace, the woman at the well, the Bible. I mean, it's undignified, so undignified. what God does in this. And I think he's also in this. I think God should just keep showing up for Shane in a fatherly, mm-hmm. favored way yes to say i'm still here your addiction does not define me define you son my grace does yeah and that is the lifelong journey and shane is going to get it and it it, does it really matter if he gets it on his deathbed or he gets it today or gets it tomorrow when we look at it god is trying to convince all of us i'm not like men and women Mm -mm. And I, I'm scandalously in love yes. with you and lavishly pouring out grace. So I think about Shane, I can't wait to have your mother on mm-hmm. and Shane on and just bring this whole story together. So out of all of this, out of starting a family in a way that you didn't see, going through this with Shane, your and everyone's dealing with it. Stacy dealt with it different thing than I did. Than right, we did, right? Or you know, your mother and your mm-hmm. father, and all, all the different things. What would you? What is the greatest thing that you learned about God, and what is the greatest thing that you learned about His view of you? I'm still learning it. I am. I'm still learning. Just when I think, just when I think I know something, He. He takes me to a whole other level. Say it again. Say the question again. What did you learn about God? And what did you learn about you? You know, I, I will tell you identity because along this, all of this is coming along. And then, and I was desperate. I was desperate for me and, you know, everything that was going on with my family but then along came this little ministry called Elevate Him. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not trying to even promote you guys, but I will never stop giving God glory through what y'all did because it was at that time, right at the scandalous grace time, that I went to Fully Alive, an encounter weekend with Jesus. And 
I literally told my pastor, I said, this better not suck. I don't think I said <laughs> suck, but I was like, at that time in my life, I didn't have time to play games. I didn't have time. You know, I was like, this better be good. I, I just, for some reason, I thought we were going to go and we were going to go sit and take notes and do crafts. And I was like, on that. Goodbye, y'all. I ain't doing it. Okay. And I want to tell you, I got out of my car and I started crying. My feet hit the ground and the Lord did such a radical work in my life that weekend of teaching me. It was only the beginning of my identity and calling me daughter um, and that I didn't have to work so hard. The work was done on the cross and he took me back even at Fully Alive. They ask a profound question of, you know, when you were a child, man, if we'll go back, I think back on before I got too much church in me, I was the most authentic. I was hearing God. I just didn't even really know it. I wasn't connecting dots. But, you know, as a little girl, I just wanted to shine. Come on. And so that what God began to speak to me at Fully Alive was my truest sense of who he created me to be. And I've really been on the journey ever since, and I'm still peeling back layers. And every time I think I've got it out, another thing comes, you know, comes forth. And so that was one of the greatest lessons is in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I grew up Baptist. I, I will say this. I love my Baptist roots. I was never taught the Holy Spirit. And the word, the Bible, it was like the Father, the Son, the Bible, truly. <laughs> and I am in love with the Holy Spirit. I can't do anything. It's very arrogant to think that we can bring Christ's glory apart from the Holy Spirit. Our comforter is the one. He is the one. So I've been on a really crazy journey with the Holy Spirit, and I'm all in. I want all the things. If it says it in the Word, I want to do it. I want to experience it. I want all of the things, but not the, because I want the things, but because I want him. Because when the presence of God, when you've been really encountered him, you're really, you're undone for anything else the it's rest funny, of your life. So many great things. So, you know, I'm asking the question, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about God? So I just want to recap this. What you learn about God is that his spirit is not going to hover over you. It's actually going to come in you and it's a comforter and yeah. convictor. Yes. And the church is just, we, we, we've gotten this crazy idea that he's the convictor. Hey guys, I have been thrown over a cop car and arrested. I've been a convicted. I was a convicted felon. I know what conviction looks like. When Jesus showed up in my life, yes, there was conviction at salvation, knowing that I needed him. But what threw me over God's lap was his love. Yeah, every time. I mean, I was the like. The kindness of the Lord leads yep. us to conviction or repentance. It's repenting. not even, it says repentance. Yep. So yeah. You're like, so you learn that the spirit of God is not going to hover over you. It's going to come inside you, New Testament, and it's going to be with you. And I don't know what this country, because I, I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't Baptist. You know, I think I went to the Methodist church five times. My mom worked at a Methodist church. She, you know, I'm finding out later in life, but I don't remember anything. I don't remember anyone talking to me about Jesus, but I don't know what the controversy is about God's spirit resides within us. Yeah. God in us. That's just 
beautiful. And then you came to fully alive and started receiving your identity. I think yes. there was even a word that was given to you about you're called to shine. Yes. And Polly said, I'm a blinding light. Blinding <laughs> light. So identity starts taking root. Yeah. Those of you that don't know what Fully Alive, it's an event that our ministry, Elevate Him, is the sponsor of the Unbridled Life podcast. We hope to get more sponsors, but we do an event for men uh, separately and then a women's event that you go and find your heart. It's based out of Proverbs yes. 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For out of the heart flows the wellspring of life. Listen, if you listen to Shauna and you can picture in your mind this little heart at eight years old that gets Jesus mm -hmm. and she's jumping up and down at eight and actually is being guided by the Holy Spirit at eight, not to say something wrong to another kid. That's, that's what this Holy Spirit begins to do. It begins to shape you into the nature and character yes. of the father of love. But as from there on, you see the assaults, missiles flying in from untimely weddings, whispering yep. shame, and sons coming into a This is a white, affluent family. Yep. And what I would just call the old South, it's got this feel there, uh, but their life blows up. Yep. And their life is on display in humility. But the enemy wants to bring humiliation, mm -hmm. humility. Yeah. Start shaping and sifting us into the image of him. And it gives us a story, a testimony. I love how people say all the time, listen, I, I want to have your testimony someday. I'm thinking, you do, do not, not want this. No. Amen. You, you're signing up to be road hard, put up wet. That's right. And you're, you're, you're going to feel humiliated most of your life. Sean, I love your story. I love everything about it. And I know that there's more. The reason I wanted to bring Sean on, I think she's going to host some of the shows that go on. Our vision here is that there'll be multiple voices about a plurality of topics. Yeah. And you don't hear much from my wife. She is the most incredible listener I've ever met to. She's a trained social worker, and she gets so enthralled in people's stories that she loves to listen I'm going to interview her. Oh, no. I want to know what it's like for Leslie to be married to you. Because you guys have a wild... Everybody has a story. It's so good. But we'll do that one. So that's that's going to be a show. Yeah. And y'all are going to do that. So I, I'm just so grateful that you would come on and talk. And I love that it kind of bounces all over the place. Because that's here's the truth about all this. That's our life. Yeah. Nothing comes out in this beautiful order. It's like, hey, Shane, can you wait to be addicted until I get through? Yeah, let us read deal. a few books on that. Yeah. Could you? Like, yeah. I, you know, I do want to say this really quick. At one point, I was so prideful through that whole thing because, you know, addicts, that happened to other people. I have two funny, really mm -hmm. funny yeah. stories. Okay. You're fine. So, well, the, the, the one that I just thought about was I went with him to like a, I guess it was AA. Yeah. It was one of his meetings. And I was like, oh, my gosh, who's going to see me here? You know, whatever. I sat there and I listened to people be so vulnerable. Transparent. So, and that was when I was really, really churchy. And when I went to fully alive, because I thought at that AA, I thought, why is this is church? This is what church should be like. And when I went to fully alive, I was like, this is it. This is, this is that AA Look, I'm just going to 
be raw. I'm just going to be raw. I'm going to be real so that you can get in my stuff. But another really funny story, just so people see, y'all, we were like the cleavers. We really were like from the outside looking in, like we looked like we had it together. Okay. So the first time Shane got thrown in jail, oh my gosh, the women in the family, we were just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. We're on, we're like calling each other and mom calls the the jail and she's like, he's coming off of cocaine. He could die. They were like, ma'am, <laughs> he's going to sleep. He's going to be just fine. Like we worry about the, the ones that have been addicted to alcohol for 40 years. Like your son is going to be just fine. But so he, this was an extended stay in prison. It's so funny because the first time we were mortified by the fifth or sixth, we're like, oh Lord, just please let him get thrown in prison. We all want to sleep for a little while. Yes. Yes. Oh, please. It's so funny how your, your brain shifts, but he could get a visitor and mom was like, I can't, I just can't see my, which I can understand the trauma of seeing your child. And I was like, so I said, I'll go. So I remember getting dressed and I thought, what does does one wear (laughs) to go see their brother in jail? And I put this like suit on. Okay. And I took my Bible and I show up and had red heels on. I remember. And I show up and I look into the waiting, like there was a little waiting area and someone had pink rollers in their hair and house shoes. And I thought, <laughs> well, I'm a little overdressed, Just but I'm fine. And I walk up to, cause you have to give your driver's license and all that. And she said, are you clergy? <laughs> <laughs> are you claim. the church? Right? <laughs> and I was like, no ma'am. But there was, it was that moment. It was that moment of no, the, I'm part of the family. We're, we're all here. We're all here for the same reason. We have a son or a, a daughter or a brother or a husband. We're all here. And, you know, that's, that's, that's how you come to the cross. You can come in your high heels and your fancy suit, but you're going to see people that are drastically different, but we're all in need of a savior. Okay. Yeah. Well said, Shana. I wish I had been the clergy of <laughs> Well, yeah, I love that's part know, one of my story. There's probably there's other parts, and that's what's crazy about all this. Yeah. It's going to come in slices, and I I want you to be able to tell your whole story in slices because yeah. that's where it comes. You know, people want me to come on a podcast, tell my story. It's a drug addict 35 years ago. Yeah, I'm not that guy today, but I'm being delivered as we speak. That's what I love about fully loud. Whether you're in a mobile home or a mansion, right? You're still dealing with stuff. And you can live over there in your mansion and say, that's what they do. Right. Do that until your son is Shane or your daughter is Shauna or something happens on that. We, our family has been smoked by some of these things and life will humble you. Totally. Jesus, as you said, scandalous grace Mm -hmm. just keeps drawing us. Yeah. Well, Shauna, thanks for joining us. Leslie, thanks for being here with me. Thank y'all. Thanks for joining us today on this podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbridled Live podcast. We know your time is valuable and we hope we bring real and relevant content that helps you live that unbridled life. 
If you want to help us spread the message, you can rate or review the podcast on whatever platform you like to listen to us and share it with a friend or two. If you want to know more about who we are and what we're doing, head on over to the Unbridled Life Podcast dot com and learn more.